Hi everyone, this is Larissa Bollinger. I'm the new hostess of The Youth Room, a podcast by UPCI Youth Ministries. This podcast will focus on topics relevant to youth and young adults. Don't forget to subscribe and join us on the third Tuesday of each month. Hello and welcome to the Youth Room Podcast, but we're not in a youth room today. We are in a seminar room at the Indiana Convention Center, and this is General Conference. We're at General Conference. Yeah, 2021. Time's yeah. flying by. What's the highlight been for you? Uh, for me, well, you know, when you carry a message for a few weeks like I have, and I finally got it out. Yeah. <laughs> so that was... Uh, release. <laughs> yeah, that's the release. Now I can just enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but the highlight probably would be being with my family and and people from out of state that came in to, to see me and spend awesome. time with me and support me. So, so. Love that. I got to hear your message today, Youth Day. So this is Brother Nelson Rivera. He was our Youth Day speaker, and he preached an excellent message, just vision casting, really, for the youth of UPCI. So you talked a little bit about your testimony, and I was wondering if you could share your conversion story, getting into church, what that was like for you. Yeah, so... I was raised, you could say I was raised in church. My parents were saved when we were, when they were about 18. So I was mm -hmm. about two years old and um, I was raised in church for the first 16, 17 years. And then the teenage years started, right? You know how uh, that can be. We were part of a church, uh, Pastor Edward Sanders. It was CLC in San Diego, California. And my father was called to be a pastor. The, uh, the pastor there with the Sanders said, Hey, I had a dream that you're going to uh, pastor a Spanish church. And so my father, um, speaking Spanish, a Spanish speaker, uh, took the church and I was there with him for two years. And those two years were pivotal for me because I kind of coming, going from English to Spanish and mm. being a Latino, it was very hard for me to assimilate to the culture Although being a Hispanic, but when it's all Spanish, you know, it makes you feel like you're in, in, in missions, world missions. Um, but I, I struggled and I backslid for a few years, uh, ran from God, ran from the calling. And I remember uh, one night when I was out, you know, not doing good things that I felt his spirit. And it's so unique to me because I, I tell people all the time, it's it, I can't explain it. But I just felt his hand, and I remember the hair on my back just kind of stepped up, and I felt the spirit, and I knew somebody was praying for me. Wow. And it was at that point where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to live my life for God, and I'm going to go all in. I'm, I'm not going to, to hold back any longer. I've decided to follow him, and I never looked back. That's awesome. Were there any important mentors in your life, uh, ministers that maybe made a real difference for you? Yeah, for me, so my pastor, I feel like every every young, single, adult, youth, hyphen, you need to have a pastor in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're maybe in a bigger church, you know, and maybe don't have as much face time with a pastor, a youth pastor, an assistant pastor, an elder, anybody that can really speak into your life. And for me, Pastor Mark Stevenson and my father were those mentors, those pastor voices uh, Pastor Stevenson challenged me, and he, I, I just know that with all my heart that a lot of people seek the mantle, the anointing, but they don't seek the mentor. 
Yeah. You know, we need the mentor in our life that can tell us like Elisha and Elijah where uh, Elisha was just following the man of God and the mantle fell while he was working and serving the man of God. And so for me, I've learned how to serve. I learned to to just be a doorkeeper, do something for the kingdom. It's it's an excuse for us to say, well, I'm just going to wait till I get to preach general conference youth yeah. day, right? <laughs> that day will probably never come if you're just waiting for it to, you know, fall in your laps. It's when you're working for the kingdom at every level, whether you're vacuuming the carpets or whether you're just first impressions, you know, any um, parking lot ministry. Um, but I would say my pastor, Mark Stevenson, and my father, Nelson Rivera Sr., um, that has just been amazing uh, mentors in my life. My pastor is my uh, coffee disciple. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so in addition to being, you know, great man of God, spiritual authority, he also is the one who taught me how to make um, a good pour over awesome. <laughs> life changing. Yeah. Let me tell I'm you. Sure. Yes. It. And so he's made me into a little bit of a coffee snob. I love like getting to connect with my pastor. We have a great relationship. How would you say that young people can build that relationship with their pastor, maybe they are in a larger church. They don't know how to initiate a conversation. It's awkward. Maybe, you know, pastor leaders can be scary. What do you do? I would say find opportunities um, to serve him, whether it's maybe an armor bearer. Maybe yeah. uh, you find out what their favorite restaurant is. I learned a long time ago that it is my responsibility as a young person to seek out you know, it's never meant for the old to seek the young. We're supposed to serve. We serve God through serving others. And yeah. he's the man of God. Uh, I saw my pastor kind of trying to work through hundreds of people. Uh, and I made opportunities. I found out what his favorite restaurant was. And I would get him gift cards. I nice. would do little the little gestures of, of kindness that he would look at me and be like, okay, this is somebody I would find out. You know, he had prayer every morning at like 6 a.m. And for me, I was like 6 a.m. But I knew if I was there in the room when he was, that I was going to get, <coughs> excuse me, some FaceTime with him. Yeah. And so create opportunities. Yeah. Um, what would what did your pathway into ministry look like? You're obviously, you know, building good relationships with people in ministry. You're serving. Um when did you start to see, you know, more maybe obvious <laughs> uh, service opportunity opportunities, ministry opportunities open up? What did that look like? Well, <clears throat> I think for me, I just started giving it everything I had. I mean, yeah. I realized that I have to make a difference and it's up to me to make an impact. Yeah. And I started serving in, in youth ministry and I was just, I wasn't a youth pastor. I was just helping. Yeah. I'd buy young people food. I would um, work in the convalescent homes. I would preach in the jails. I mean, I did it all. And for me, it's just there is no excuse for a young person to just sit in a pew and expect everything to be given to them. We have to go out and, and make disciples. Yeah. And I just I made up in my mind I was going to be the hardest worker out of anybody else. I was going to be the best and not because I wanted to boost my ego, but because the scripture says everything you do, you do it unto the Lord. Well, that means that we have to give our very best to everything and anything. And I served with just two things that I tell people. I cannot teach you to have passion and I cannot teach you to have a teachable spirit. Yeah. Those are two things that you need. You need to have passion. I can't teach that passion. 
some guy, you either have it or you don't, but you'd be surprised. I said it today, you know, instead of trying to find your purpose, find your passion. Mm. And when you find your passion, it'll lead you to your purpose. Yeah. And I've just believe that's been my mantra and I've followed that and it has helped me grow uh, in times where maybe you are serving alone. There's been outreach, you know, come to outreach. And there were times where I was the only one there. Yeah. And I had the box of flyers. Now I can get upset and be like, well, I'll go home. Nobody else is going to know. But no, I, I purposed on my heart that I was going to give it even more. And I remember I got those box of thousand flyers and I hit the alcohol mall and I hit every car and I for hours and just wow. did it. And those are the things when when you can do it when nobody's watching. I believe that's when God then openly blesses you in yeah. public. That's good. I love the word about passion over purpose. That really resonated with me um, when you said that today, because I think ministry is going to look differently mm -hmm. at different seasons of Absolutely. life. So you started in youth ministry, but now your ministry looks different. Right. But that passion stays the same, that desire to serve God, serve others. That's going to be the constant in your life and in your ministry. Amen. Um. And now this is the question that I know maybe some of our young ladies and young men are wondering. <laughs> you, you said you're a girl I'm dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so tell us dad. about your family and your wife. Yeah. So Talitha Rivera, she, believe it or not, is a better preacher than I am. Nice. <laughs> she gets behind the mic on Sunday morning after the first song and she lets it rip. And I'm telling you, she is anointed. I met my beautiful wife in youth Congress. I tell the guys, if you don't find a wife in youth Congress, just wave the white flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm telling you, I met my wife there in uh, Youth Congress, and I saw her on the Jumbotron. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wow. I saw her on the Jumbotron. <laughs> she was praying. And I was like, that is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Mm. And then I walked this, the hallways there of Youth Congress. I think it was Louisville, Kentucky maybe Columbus, Ohio, I don't really remember. It was one of those, you know, Youth Congress when it was at a basketball um, auditorium. And then I saw another one. Then I saw two. My wife's an identical twin. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I found out one of them was married. So I knew Talitha was the one I saw. I said, praise God, God knows what I need. And next thing you know, we I lived in San Diego. She lived in uh, Augusta, Georgia. So for two years, every month, I would fly there and I'd fly her down. Mm -hmm. I'd fly there and I'd fly her down. Spent a lot of money, but it was worth it. And um, I searched her, I think, as the man we need to search out, you yeah. know, and uh, be the, I know uh, chivalry is probably a thing of the past, but I sh believe it should be, uh, especially as apostolic men. Um, if there's an area that I think we can do better, I'm talking to the men uh, now is is to be men to lead, to be the priest of their homes and to, you know, be the initiator right yeah. <laughs> of the conversation and not be too shy. Uh, and then I have three girls. I have uh, Vienna is eight. Milana is five and Lucia is five months. So, yeah. So three girls and that's it. I'm shutting it down <laughs> because I am just ready to, you know, enjoy my beautiful girls. And I love being a girl dad. I really do. They love on me. And, and I can't explain. I always knew I was going to have girls. Yeah. I told my wife that before we even. Girl dads are different. I mean, I'm an only child. My dad's a girl dad. If you have a girl dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, it's right. just a different feeling. 
you're, you said your wife is a better preacher than you. Oh, she's just annoyed. That's she's, like hard to believe after no, today. No, no, but she's a dynamic. She's dynamic. I love to see you though, uh, complimenting your wife. And I think that one thing we acknowledge as apostolics is that God has made men and women differently. Mm -hmm. You alluded to that just now. However, we do need to work together in ministry. Absolutely. And so you and your wife are both working in ministry, yes, serving in the kingdom and, you know, some parallel mm -hmm. ways how do you make that dynamic work so a few years ago i realized that my wife had a gifting and i didn't necessarily maybe make room for her to grow mm -hmm. and i think just in our movement you could say you know the men are more the, the preachers but i do believe and i think our organization does as a whole believe you know in women ministry as well. And I realized that I could affect a lot more people in our congregation if it was me and my wife working together. Yeah. And I just encouraged her. I gave her opportunity. I think that's huge that as husbands and men, maybe future, maybe you're a young man, uh, you're dating somebody in Bible college and you see like, I don't feel insecure. Like we're in it together. It's a partnership. And when it's in a part, when it's a partnership, it's a beautiful thing. I, re I realized and recognized that through our congregation that there were women, old and young, that had come from divorced homes, that had come from broken homes, that were dealing with, you know, depression and anxiety and different things that maybe I don't relate to or, but my wife could relate to them and, and especially single moms, because my wife's mother was a single mom for many years until she remarried. Her wow. father had backslid. He was a preacher, and it was just it was it was a catastrophe for the family. But they rebuilt, and she remarried my mother-in-law to my father-in-law now, and it's a beautiful thing. And my wife is just like, wow, she can minister to the hurting and broken because she understands them and they know. The women know that uh, she understands them. And that opens the door at that point. They open themselves up. A lot of people don't want to be vulnerable, yeah. right? Because especially to a man, maybe. Uh, but when I give her opportunity to speak or to preach or to teach, I see it all. I, it's just the countenance on these women's faces. They light up because it's one of their own. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. I, I think it's it ought to be something that we celebrate mm -hmm. uh, in working together for the kingdom because two, as we know, can do a lot more than one. It's true. What is, we heard a great sermon today, um, and I can definitely point to sermons at like a Congress or a, a chapel at Bible College that really changed the trajectory of my life. like. You know, we all experience good sermons <laughs> on a regular basis because we're Pentecostal. <laughs> but, you know, there's those iconic moments, those iconic messages that just form you, transform you. Can you think of a sermon, a message at an event that maybe really changed your life, changed your walk with God? Yeah, uh, I, I as a young man, I love to go to the Because of the Times. Mm -hmm. And I'd go to a bot PK. <laughs> nice. I go in there in Louisiana. And what's funny is I actually was one of the bot PK speakers a few years ago. So that was cool to see, you know, as a speaker. To, full circle. To, yeah, full circle. Um, but I would say the, the bot, bot PK ministry really impacted me uh, tremendously. 
um, Brother Scott Graham, I would say. Yeah. He's still one of my heroes. I Dynamic. Yeah, he he still texts me. I like today. It means the world to me. He's like, I'm praying for you. Oh. And and doesn't matter, you know, he's the general secretary for the United Pentecostal Church. I mean, I'm sure he gets thousands of text messages, you know, probably weekly, if not daily. Uh, and yet he has time for somebody like me that lives on the other side of the country. And he's, I believe in you. I'd say all of his messages have really impacted me. Uh, I, I can't really point to like one sermon. Uh, I would say more of a collective, just a voice. That yeah. makes sense. In Bakersfield, when California was still one district, we would there'd be about 5,000 young people. And Brother Scott Graham would get up there and he would just preach. And it was just, man. I still honor him. That's why I still vote, voted for him as general <laughs> secretary. I think he's the man for the job because he's been there at every level. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's like he knows what it is in youth. He he's worked in every every department, you could say, or closely with. So he understands the big picture. And I feel like as leaders that we vote for to lead this great organization, the United Pentecostal Church International, I, I want a well rounded leader. Yeah. I desire that, you know, and I'm my vote is gonna determine that absolutely you're a pk mm -hmm. you have been impacted by pk ministries and then you have three pks yes so this might be a section of our audience listening but maybe give a word of encouragement to pks how they can serve god faithfully while you know um uni unifying with their parents callings yeah so i would definitely say that brother eli hernandez who passed away about a year ago with, from COVID, he was an evangelist, international evangelist, a voice in my life, lived in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, before he passed away, I remember he made a statement. He said, the enemy of your soul will not retreat, he re-strategizes. Yeah. So as PKs, if he can't get your parents, if he can't get you, he'll go around you. He'll, he'll, he'll find people you love and hurt them to get to you. And as PKs, we need to fall in love with the truth. You know, I, I was telling our table dinner or our lunch table today, I don't want my girls to see holiness as rules and regulations, but I want them to see it as, as a lifestyle, that this is something that who we are and this is something that I love. Yeah. And that's what the beauty of holiness, right? When you love it, when it just, it's, it emulates what's on the inside, it comes out on the outside. And and I would say as PKs, you know, we in this generation that we are living in, you know, preachers, especially in California, where we're at, we're not seen as the, you know, we're not respected people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we see us as crooks and, you know, this and that, because everything that the world is preaching is contrary to what we're preaching and teaching. So, mm -hmm. but we've got to go back to the scripture as PKs, when we feel when we're depressed, maybe we're dealing with anxiety, we, we were kind of going through the well, is this who I really want to be? That we remember that that this is just a small moment in time that if you can just keep going to church on Sunday and, and keep showing up to Monday night prayer and keep showing up to midweek Bible study, eventually that word is going to germinate in your spirit. I never, I told people, don't go off feeling because you're, you, you could say, my, my heart, what does the scripture say? The heart is deceitfully wicked. What yeah. man can know it? So never go by feelings. I don't go on what I on what I feel. I go on what I know. And the scripture is his word. It's the mind of Christ. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So if we stay grounded, if we just stay consistent, 
we'll get through those hills and valleys, as that song says, yeah. <laughs> and we will make it. We will overcome, but don't give up. Don't throw in the towel for a moment of, you know, excitement or pleasure, whatever it may be, whatever struggle you may be fighting. As PKs, we're called, we're chosen, we've been separated, and we can be, and when I backslid, so I can see from the other side, I look back and I regret it because I, I, I recognize that my my father, I remember he made a statement. He said, son, he said, every time, everything I'm trying to build up, it seems like you're just trying to tear it down. It's like we're partners. We do this as a family. Church is what we do. We love it. We like to see lives change from the message, the apostolic doctrine. And now I look back and I go, oh, God, what did I do? Maybe I, I because I wanted to have fun or so-called fun for a season. Yeah. You know, maybe somebody lost out on God. And, and I have to deal with that, you know, and a young yeah. person that was my age growing up. And maybe I led them astray. I don't want to be responsible for anybody not making it to heaven. So uh, if if my girls were your age now, <laughs> you know, I want them to know that we do ministry as a family. Yeah. It's not Pastor Rivera. It's it's the family, Rivera, that we do ministry together. And if we do it fun, we have fun and make it exciting you know, it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. Church will be fun if you make it fun. Yeah, that's good. I remember as a teenager, I was kind of similar to you. I wasn't outwardly backslidden, but as a PK, it's easy to slide under the radar, right? Mm -hmm. So I got the Holy Ghost actually whenever I was in high school. But I remember my faith began to become personal to me, not just an extension of my parents, but I, I began to take ownership of it mm -hmm. as I began to read the Bible mm -hmm. and just engage the scriptures on a regular basis, sometimes through trials in my life. I remember, I mean, you know, trials at what, 15 mm -hmm. <laughs> can be. Boy, boy text me right. <laughs> no, but for real. <laughs> I remember I was having one of those nights. I literally sat and read the whole book of Revelation. Oh, That's wow. a lot to take <laughs> yeah, in. Awesome. But just through moments like that, I, I began to develop a hunger for the word mm. because it was a stability, right. right? So I was in a Bible quizzer. Um, and when I went to Bible college, I felt like I was a couple steps behind because I hadn't been um, studying as long as some of my peers had. But the word of God, it's so foundational, right? Absolutely. To our to our walk. You can have the other elements, but if you don't have the word, you're really right. gonna be without direction, without a foundation. So how can um, students become better, uh, let's say, students of the word? How? What kind of disciplines can they uh, engage to become aware? We, I mean, obviously we have reading our Bible, right? But as just a blanket, but how would you go about maybe strengthening that, improving that, expanding that? So I try to, I have a pretty rigid, but when I, when I went all in, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It, it really comes down to discipline. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. That's a word that we do not like to say, but discipline. Discipline. Those yeah. two Ds are, are, I do it not because I have to, because I, I just know that it's going to help me. Yeah. Maybe not that moment, but right. What do they say? Put it in the bookshelf and yeah. there's going to come a time where you're going to need that word yeah. uh, to save you from what you're going through. And for me, I used to do 30 minutes a day. This is where I started 30 minutes a day. Maybe you can start 15 minutes a day. Maybe 30 is too much. Start 15 minutes a day. I'd put on some Christian music and I'd pray 30 minutes a day. 
and then I'd read the word 30 minutes a day. It's important that we read, that we pray before we read the word of God. Yeah. This is just me, okay? Whatever your pastor says goes. <laughs> I mean, are you rather you read and not, you right? But you prepare the heart when you begin yeah. to, to pray and say, Lord, and, and ask him, God, help me. Uh, give me revelation. Give me, what are you trying to speak to me through your word? I tell people the word of God is the mind of Christ. That is his mind. So we can't know him if we don't spend time with him. Yeah. And so duty, discipline, 30 minutes of prayer and 30 minutes of reading of the word. And I would start my day off. I think it's important you do that in the morning. Mm -hmm. Here's another another help <laughs> instead of at night. Because yeah. what happens at night after you're tired and you start reading your book? It's you start yeah, dozing <laughs> off. We've all done Out. it, including myself. <laughs> You start reading numbers and, you know, and so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so, and you're like, okay, I'm done, you know? And, but if you just, if you can do it in the morning, something about the dawning of the day is just starting, you know, it's, it's, it's happening. God, the birds are chirping. It's just life, mm -hmm. you know, it'll help sustain you throughout the day. Yeah. And that, in my opinion, has been a key catalyst for me spiritually, because as you mature, then you do an hour a day. Yeah. You know, and you kind of just work I and mean, you do a day of fasting a week or maybe you do dinner to dinner. Um, but another thing that has really helped me, too, is I get I have Logos software, which is really yeah. good. It's really, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. Uh, and, and just the commentaries. I love reading. Always be reading something. Yeah. Listen, if you have time for Instagram and Facebook and all these, you know, these this podcast. Right. <laughs> it's you true. You have time. You have time. I. And I said it today, like, if you can quote, you know, what all these great evangelists and great preachers, hey, where do you think that was birthed, what they learned in the word, in the and word. praying and fasting and, and getting a hold of God? And what you will find is that if you do that, when you get to church, mm -hmm. and I promise you, you're going to be like, you know what, Brother Rivera was right. You'll get to church and what you were reading and what God put in your spirit is going to be identical with what your pastor is going to be preaching it's, that Sunday. It's the truth. And it, and it just, it just perfect. It just rolls together. That's God showing you, hey, yes, we need a pastor. Yes, we need an evangelist. Mm -hmm. But guess what? If you're sick, if you can't go, you're going to watch it online and you're going to know he's in tune with the Holy Ghost because I have been alone with God and we are speaking the same language. That is the beautiful. This whole week has been that, right? We didn't talk to each other about our messages you know, I talked to Brother Herring today, and he's like, man, your message goes inside with my message. And, and Brother Bernard's, some of his texts were overlapping. We're all speaking the same language. We didn't get together and do, let's do a study session and, and preaching points. It God does that. When yeah. we're in tune with God, it all flows together. So make sure, you know, it's hermeneutics. Um, continue to read. I say read, always be reading a book every day. Podcasts are great. You know, if you can't read, you know, in, in the sense of maybe it's find another translation. I tell yeah. people, if King James is not for you and you're just like, <laughs> I'm not getting anything out of it. Yeah. Get the NIV, get the application Bible. That's that's the one I really enjoy because the application Bible uh, helps me uh, as preachers. We need to know the context before and after, right, Yeah. Uh, of, of what the scripture is trying to speak to us. So it gives us a context of the history and kind of maybe the main character of, of that book. And, and it really brings to light a lot of things that we may miss if we don't use the resources that we have available to us. Yeah. 
One trend that I've been seeing in my church lately that I love is a lot of our young adults are sitting on the front rows with Bibles open the whole sermon. And there's such a unity and um, I don't know, it just feels good. Or journal, right? <laughs> yeah. Or taking notes. I write directly That's, in my yeah. Bible. Yeah, me, yeah so. me too. I do that. Or I have the iPad. I'll, I'll go in there. But today I saw an elder bishop uh, has a large, very, very large church. And he yeah. pulled out a little thing. And it was a bookmark that he had just picked up from, from the booths. And he had a few scriptures. As I was preaching, he's like, look, I, I already have the message for Sunday. That's you know, because awesome. that's what God does. He he parallels with, with whoever's preaching. and God will give you things. Write them down. A lot of times we miss. I'm a big believer in this. I, I don't know if about you, but have you ever had that where a thought comes to you? And, right, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Like, this will preach at youth congress, yeah. and then you forget it. And it's gone. It's gone. It's gone forever. Like you can't, <laughs> like you kind of know a little bit, but it sounded a lot better when it was in because you failed to write it down. Write yeah. it down. Journal. I remember um, I was probably like 14 years old, and I was reading my Bible as I was going to bed and I felt like the Lord gave me a message. I did not acknowledge a call to preach or anything like that at the time. But fortunately that one, I wrote it down awesome. <laughs> and that was the first keynote I preached at a youth rally. So write it awesome. down. Yeah. <laughs> you might need it a couple years That's later. <laughs> I love it. Can you give us just a recap, maybe a short recap, big idea of the youth day sermon today? Yeah, so today I took my text out of Exodus. Uh, my title was The Unfit Generation. And there was an article that came out that really spoke to me. So for me, I had the title, I had the text, and then the way I build my message is then I, I want something that's going to gravitate and, and really kind of hit home to our, the young people or whoever my, my congregation is. Uh, know your audience. That's huge, yeah. right? Like, you know know your audience. So I'm thinking, okay, I need something that's going to correlate, that's going to really connect with them, uh, a story, an illustration. So as I typed in the unfit generation, God is my witness, this title came up and it was talking about the, the unfit generations of our day. And it was, it was, I believe it was at the time, Washington times where um, it talked about how there was this, the millennial generation and the Z generation, Z generation, where in the 70% of young people that were unfit to serve in the military because wow. of emotional, physical, drug abuse, you know, intellectual. I mean, it, you name it, 70%. That was wow. staggering to me that were unfit to serve their country and the Department of Defense. They're trying, they're trying to figure out what is happening to our, the younger generation that are unfit. So that was my title, The Unfit Generation. I started with that. But in a nutshell, to encompass it all, I spoke that although the world may make us feel that we're unfit to serve in our local church or in our community or in our you know, apostolic movement, that we are not that generation, that we are called to be separate. We are called to, to preach the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And I shared my story of how really in, in the most liberal state how strict they were they yeah they were saying you had to take after every bite i don't know if you saw that you had to put your mask up <laughs> you're in a restaurant eating you take a bite and then you have to lift up they said we couldn't sing in church it's crazy and i remember singing that song 
we're gonna, I tell them, they, the, the governor said we can't sing, but we're gonna sing that song, shout a little louder, right? Yeah. Sing a little louder and the Holy Ghost dropped. And I shared my testimony, how we went outside the Upper Room Church. And because we went outside, because we were willing to fight, and the text speaks in Exodus about how God led them through the wilderness, not because he wanted to, but because the children of Israel were unfit for war. Mm. They had gotten used to being slaves. They hadn't gotten used to being anemic. Yeah. And I told this, the church today and the young people said, we are not anemic apostolics. Yeah. We are not unfit to engage the enemy. We are not unfit to fight for our heritage. You know, holiness, the oneness, and the apostolic doctrine. We are warriors. We are meant to fight. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, "We're called. We're going to be assaulted, but it is our duty to to attack." We yeah. are always on the. What does it say? The gates of hell shall not prevail, prevail against the church. Why does it say gates? Well, we are supposed to always be moving the gate behind. And when I went to Upper Room Church. There was just this, I remember Brother Daniel Scott, Bishop Daniel Scott, he is my wife's uncle. Okay. And and he he told me there is the stronghold there in that city. Mm -hmm. You have to walk around that city. And I remember walking through that city and you'd feel it. Drugs, you know, prostitution, whatever it is. And I would feel it and I would pray against it. I would just, you know, declare that the light was gonna shine through. And as God is my witness, when we went outside, when God knew that I was willing to fight and the church was behind me, we gained more territory. Wow. And when you gain more territory, the enemy will attack you. And he did. He, you know, we, we, we had some stuff come our way, but we continued to fight. So I want to tell this generation that we are not unfit. You know, the world may say we are, but we're not. You're not, you know, less it don't matter what level you are. We all have something to give the kingdom. Yeah, that's amazing. From that profound <laughs> word, I have one last question. And this is very serious. Tomorrow is it's wrapping up. We're going home. What are you going to be listening to besides the Youth Room podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so tomorrow we will most likely be driving up. I believe it's Arkansas where the, where the Noah's Ark is. Is that, oh, yeah. That I want to take my girls. And probably I would say maybe James Wilson, Frankie Taylor. Nice. You know, like, <laughs> some apostolic. I, yeah, some apostolic. I am huge. Frankie Taylor's from SoCal. Nice. So I love his, his stuff. Frankie Taylor, Brittany Scott, David Jennings. I have all their stuff. I think it's important that we support our apostolic artists. I really Absolutely. do. We, we've got to support our own. Tasha Cobbs don't need any help. Yeah. You know, Maverick City <laughs> She's all right. <laughs> Maverick City, you know, they, they've got the... The, the whole stadium's filled. I'm for supporting yeah. apostolic and, and even for our elders in our church. You'll laugh at this, but we were singing some new songs. You could tell some of the elders, there's, you know, they, they don't like the new stuff, right? They're like, sing Amazing Grace. And I said, the Lord says to sing unto the Lord a what? A new a song. New song. <laughs> and I said, these are apostolic writers. Yeah. Let's support our own. When I said that, the whole church exploded because they realized, like, these are apostolic. These are people that that we can shake their hands and, and I invite them all to come to our church. They've been a blessing. So I, I'm going to support our apostolic singers. And Court Chavis is, is the he OG. He tore it up he last night. <laughs> like Court, Court is the man. Like he's yeah. the one that started it and he's just that stage presence. 
commanding, you know, and it's just anointed, obviously, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. But I love our apostolic artist. Absolutely. Well, thank you for talking oh, to me it's today. It's an honor to this be here. Good, God so. bless you. And we're praying for each and every one of you. If you ever need anything, reach out to me. I'm here to serve. Absolutely. Absolutely.